You're listening to Knives in the Row versus the podcast, and we're here to be the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Knives Monroe, and with me is writer, filmmaker, Joshua Segundo. Josh, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, in February, we did a podcast discussing um, Where Do We Go, which was a film that was in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign at the time. So it wasn't even materialized. It wasn't real yet. But here yeah. we are, um, seven months later, and it's and it's real, man. So that's what we're going to talk about. First of all, congratulations on a successful crowdfunding campaign. Let's Thank start you. there. Um, walk me through the turmoil, the uncertainty, the drama of the crowdfunding uh, campaign, man. Like you, you cut it close, you went down to the wire, but you made it. I think with Steed and Spark, you had to get like eighty percent. Correct me if I'm wrong. 80% all or nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, t talk to me about that. So, so we hit the 80% mark, um, maybe about an hour before, uh, the day before, I think we were about like a thousand dollars away. And, um, I texted the DP who, you know, he and I had already had several meetings, uh, you know, discussing the film. We had already built out the shot list and, you know, uh, we'd done a lot of prep work, uh, for it. And I texted him like, I'm sorry, like this just, this is not gonna happen. Um, you know, and, and that that's really where it was uh, 24 hours before it broke. I was just like, well, this is, this is it. Um, you know, I put, I put everything into the crowdfunding campaign. I, I really, you know, it's work, man. That's what, that's really what it is. It, it's a lot of work, um, but I am incredibly grateful that, you know, it, it we hit, we hit our, our goal. And, um, you know, that is something that I'm going to never uh, take for granted. How did you do it? Like, was it politics, like shaking hands and kissing babies? Like, uh, I believe you hit nine. Is that correct? Or did you we wait for nine? Yeah, I think I, uh, I think we, we hit about like eight or nine. I'm, if I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I think it was eight. How'd you like do eight. it? How'd you do it? Because people are going to listen to this. A lot of like indie nerds and indie filmmakers and aspiring filmmakers hear this. You did it. Like you did the impossible. Um, I, I made a crowdfunding campaign and we didn't even raise a hundred dollars. This was like in 2013 or something. And, sure. um, you know, I was nobody, so it wasn't going to happen, but how'd you do it? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I think, uh, I think, you know, um, the one thing that I've definitely preached, and I said, I said on the last, um, podcast as well, is like, uh, working on set, getting on cruise. So a lot of producers, um, that I've known, that have known me, they were like, oh, it's really cool that this guy who works on crew is, uh, wanting to, you know, make, make a movie. He's wanting to become a director. So I had a lot of help as far as like from, from producers, um, uh, we, we, def we had an angel donor as well, um, her name's Janelle Lee Austin. She was very, very sweet. And she, she came in clutch and I didn't even, I woke up one day and I just saw like 
a lot of money. I'm not going to specify the amount. And I was like, who, who is this lady? And uh, we met and she was just like super, super exciting about, excited about film. She loved the, the campaign. Uh, and then, you know, she asked to be on set. She was like, I'll do catering. I'll do anything. And I was like, no, like, I, I want you, I want you there. So she was her script supervisor and she did, she did a great job. And uh, I think hopefully the story just kind of connected with people. And um, I think that's really, that's really what it was. I mean, I, 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 I wear everything on my sleeve when it comes to um, like what I wanted to do with it. And uh, hopefully people connected with that. I wasn't trying to, um, I don't know, I guess scam anybody with money. And uh, I mean, you've seen the film and I would say like, we put everything on the screen. Absolutely. So talk to me about, wow, the day that you guys, you knew that this movie was going to get made, you funded it. How mm. long between funding it to shooting? How, what was that gap? And, and how long was that? Uh, about like three or four weeks. That is fast. Well, we had a lot of prep work. So we were under the impression that this is going to get done. Like, uh, we had so much prep work already done. We had already meetings with, with, you know, so many people, it was basically just like putting down deposits. Like I had already talked to a lot of the locations, a lot of the crew, everything was pretty much ready to go. We just needed to get, get the money. Was the movie already cast uh we cast it during the crowdfunding campaign um i would say i think we had like one or two actors before before it was before we kicked it off and then i think like maybe a week out we, we finished the the final casting so let's get into some nitty-gritty filmmaking stuff um obviously you said it yourself the money is on screen. You shot, you went big. Tell me about the, the camera that you used. Uh, I did see the movie, so it is, is a special watch. Uh, it, it feels like it was shot on film. How did you achieve that? Um, so we, we shot on a Ari Alexa Mini, uh, which um, a really a great friend of mine, Stephen Lauren and Austin. If you're, if you're looking for an Ari Alexa rental, hit them up. Uh, he hit us up with a really good deal and we just really couldn't pass it up. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, we're like, we got some, we got really great deals on lenses. Um, and then we had a really great, uh, colors that just kind of came in. Um, I met him in July and then he, he came in at the end and, uh, really added to that, that look that we really wanted to go for. I feel like a, a real Barbara Walters, like interviewer here. Why anamorphic? Um, I really wanted to like have the spread, if that makes sense of, of the look. And I really, um, like the, the wideness of it. And I really wanted to isolate characters in space. Damn, that is smart. Um, I, I remember in the, in the campaign and I'm sorry, it was a while ago and this has been a hell of a hell of a year. So I apologize that I don't, I don't remember the specifics. Um, mm -hmm. but you, in the campaign, I, I can recall, um, you vocalized your influences and in like different films that kind of inspired the picture. Uh, what were those movies that inspired the look of the film? If, if there were any or other pieces of art that inspired the, the look of the film? 
Uh, yeah, the look, I mean, I would definitely say we were heavily inspired by like very early safety, like daddy long legs. Um, we really liked good time. Uh, that was another pretty big one. Um, I mean, it's maybe it's not necessarily like the same exact look, but we we kind of wanted the feel of after hours. And then story wise, Bicycle Thieves was like a really big, uh, really big inspiration for us. Man, um, real quick, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I got to ask because I'm just putting myself in the position of the listeners. They're hearing this. When can when can the people watch this movie? So we are uh, currently in our uh, film festival run. Um, we are throwing it everywhere and I'm going to be promoting it like crazy on our, um, where do we go Instagram page. So hopefully, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're aiming for a fall of 2024, like internet release, if that makes sense. So I really want to, um, put in as many film festivals as possible and hopefully, uh, listeners can see it at specific screenings. I mean, I want to put it all over Texas, um, and yeah, we're throwing it all over the country. So we're just... I've made a few movies, nothing big, nothing as, as good or as cool as Where Do We Go? Um, but for me, when I have the final cut locked, I'm done. I'm over mm -hmm. it. Like the afterlife, I don't care about showcasing it. I, I love the XP that you get from showing it to an audience. Like you, that's where you really grow, I think. Um but you got a like a long journey ahead of you still with this movie. Like talk to me about um, the longevity of it. And, and I mentioned this in the last pod, um, the afterlife, the shelf life of it. Like talk to me, uh, talk to me about like your plans and showing it and like what, what the, what the big picture looks like for the movie. Um, I mean, if and how long do you want to carry this? Because surely you want to move on to the next thing already but you just had a baby, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. I mean, I, I think both of those things can coexist. Um, I think, you know, like it, there's a long life after it for film festivals, in my opinion, it's going to, it's going to take a while. Um, and I want to see it on the big screen in as many cities as possible. I want to be able to network with different people. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of my eggs into this basket and I wanted to, to go as far as it can. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I do definitely want to work on new projects. Uh, I, I, I know you and I have talked about like vaguely what I'm working on. Um, and I think they can happen simultaneously because that the life of that thing is going to, um, you know, that that is going to have like a life even further than that. So whenever, even if this is, even if Puerto Rico is still in, uh, fest, in its festival run, the newer project can, still be in pre-production and production uh, i think i can i think i can handle both of those things um simultaneously do you remember you probably do i'm sorry you know maybe you do maybe you don't um do you remember the date of day one of shooting the movie Ooh, uh third week of march some friday that's okay. all i remember i don't remember and the exact date how many shooting days three uh Three and then two pickup days. Three consecutive shooting days? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we shot a shot on Monday and then a shot on Tuesday morning. Uh, can you divulge, uh, I know the movie's not out yet, what those pickups were and, and, and uh, why you needed extra days for that? 
Uh, yeah, it was basically just like a time of day thing. Like we needed specific shots to be to handle to happen on a specific day or time of day. Like we needed the sun placement to be in a specific spot. Um, so that was that was really the, the biggest reasoning as to like why we couldn't do uh, why we couldn't do it on normal production days. They just didn't match up with our schedule, and it was like one actor, so it worked out that it was fine that it was um, only shot on the you know for the pickups. The reason why I ask is because, so I suppose you wrapped third week of March, correct? Yeah. It's, as of this recording, it's Thanksgiving week of November. So that's the third week of sure. November. It's been, it's been however long that is from March to November. I'm not good at math. Um, when you look back at the movie, not to be like nostalgic, because it didn't happen that long ago. But when you look back on it, like what, what, what's like top of mind? Like, what do you remember? Like what's the stuff that like sticks, that sticks with you about the process of making the movie of actually shooting it? I, honestly, like, I think we were so go, go, go that it was a lot of it's kind of a blur. And uh, I kind of wish I had someone there to be doing BTS because I was just, <clears throat> hello. I was super, super, super locked in uh, while we were doing it. But I mean, next time uh, next time call your boy yeah okay you got it i do i mean i i i, I do remember a very specific moment uh, and you and i had vaguely talked about this but uh obviously we, we did shoot on a bus uh like a moving city bus uh that we rented out and um it was day three and it was just like we were just letting the scene play out like there's nothing there's nothing i could do at that moment just watch the monitor um and that was like probably one of the few moments that I was able to just sit down and just like watch this happen. Um, and it felt like I was able to actually fully take in um, the whole process. Cause I feel like, you know, day one was, was fun, but there was always that like thing in my head. It's like, Oh, we have to go tomorrow. And then day, day two, was the same thing. It's like, okay, tomorrow's the, the big bus day where like, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, and it, you would, something funny that um our assistant director and uh producer drake said um going into day three he goes uh hey so today might be easy or it might be a nightmare we'll see how it goes that's that was like our crew meeting uh and uh you know at that point it was our last scene on the bus and uh, most of the film was already behind me as far as like things to worry about um so that was definitely the moment that i feel like i'm going to remember the most of just being able to fully take in like i'm shooting this thing that's been in my head for at that point like two two years and uh i didn't know any of these crew members when i you know when i wrote the first draft of this film and they're all here they're all spending their weekend with me and this is and this is amazing this was on a page that i wrote and you know, a few people told me this is cut, you know, cut the bus. This is, this is ridiculous. This isn't, isn't going to get made. And uh, being there, being in that moment was like, this is, this is happening. This is crazy. This is the knives way of, of asking a question. I remember watching the trailer for everything, everywhere, all at once. Did you ever see that flick? Yeah. I love that movie. Great. 
of course, there's the iconic montage of um, actress's name is slipping me, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. And, um, you know, it's like every frame, there's like a new shot. It's like, do, 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 you know, everyone knows that shot. And I remember seeing the trailer for that. And it's literally like this composite of 200 shots of all these different timelines, all these different setups. God knows how long it took him to make that. And uh, I remember seeing that. And I'm very familiar with the Daniels as filmmakers. Um, I've been a fan of their music videos and their short films. And I was so happy to see their success. But watching this trailer, I remember having this thought as a filmmaker, oh, shit, they did everything the hard way. You know, like to make a movie like that, to do all these practical effects in camera, all the staging, all the composites, all that shit. They did it the hard way. I really mm -hmm. respected that because we live in such a digital time where we'll fix it in post, you know? Sure. When I watched your movie and I was seeing these characters interact on the bus, I'm watching this and I'm like, holy shit, he got a real bus. Holy shit, this bus looks like it's actually moving. Holy shit, that looks like a real bus driver. Um you did it the hard way you could have cut the bus like you like you were being told by you know people that are close in your inner circle um why did you do it the hard way i, I mean uh i had a specific way that i saw it in my head and i didn't want to compromise from that and I guess I, I enjoy the challenge of being able to solve the problem of how are we going to do this um, we had a lot of different options we had uh, we had the idea of just like renting out a bus keeping it stationary and doing you know lighting gags across the windows and uh, we just didn't think it was going to look that good we tried it you know like very briefly uh, with some stuff and it just it just didn't look very good um, you know, we, we thought about doing green screen outside of the window and, 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 you know, going out and shooting plates, uh, of, you know, a moving camera or like, if, like if it were a bus, um, and none of it just looked nearly as good. So yeah, I mean, just, I just wanted it to, I wanted the audience to feel that they were in that bus with the characters. Obviously my company is called Indie Darlings. I have a tattoo that says Indie Darlings. Uh, where that comes from is it's sort of a derogatory term, you know, like all oh, these indie darlings over here, these these indie dirty filmmakers, these guerrilla style, whatever. And I wanted to embrace that and and I and really indulge like the indie filmmaking world. Um, you're probably going to go on 10, 15, 20 years from now and direct like big budget things. Um, but right now, here we are in this moment in time and you're you're in the indie world and I love it. It's the world I'm going to stay in forever, I think by choice or by fate. Um, it's such a logistical nightmare to film in a fucking bus. Like it's such a logistical nightmare. Like it should, you know, but you did it. Um, what was the biggest expense of the movie? You know, you, you crowdfunded it. So people knew what they were pitching in for and they knew where their money was going more or less, I think. Um, but what was like the biggest expense and what was the most expensive uh, scene of the movie? Uh, it was definitely the bus. The bus cost us a, a decent amount of money. Um, being able, like I said, like being able to shoot that the real way, it, it just worked. Um, you know, we probably could have 
done it a little bit cheaper and maybe maybe we could have done a set build i don't know that's i honestly never even considered that until right now um but you know there's there was a lot of different ways that we could do it but it was mostly all locations um you know we had i believe eight or nine locations in the film and then we we paid for all of them so you know why we wanted it to look like there was a real school that you know this character picked his daughter up at there was this real office building there's this um we shot in a restaurant, you know, like there's a lot of uh, locations that we that we utilize. And um, instead of, you know, using, uh, I don't know, like a some office building that that has a kitchen in there that has like a little, you know, staff kitchen to to make it seem like it's a restaurant. Like that's just not going to that's just not going to work. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I just, I, like I said, I wanted it to do it the way that I was envisioning it. So talk to me about your vision. Like, what was the germ of the idea? Where did it come from? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it came from a very, like, frustrated time in my life um, where uh, I guess I felt a little directionless when it came to what I was doing I was still bartending actually no at that point I wasn't bartending or I was I was door desk driver I had just started it was middle of the pandemic um and just feeling very 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 inadequate within myself um and I remember having a, a conversation with uh with someone and um yeah I kind of I I didn't blow I was like discussing a this idea of a backpack and uh and you know talking smack about like a hypothetical kid that i remember from from you know elementary school or whatever and i was like that was so annoying that they would do this thing like i i i, I hated when this kid would say you know backpack as pack pack um and then the person that i was talking to they they mentioned like i don't think you're mad about the pack pack like they're you're mad about something else um and I think that's really what what started the the germ in my head of like this story about this dad, this frustrated person who is um, trying to figure out his placement in life, trying to figure out his placement in his daughter's life, and you know he his whole story is wrapped up around this 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 backpack, and um, you know it's this the stakes are low. It's like, it's like the movie election. That was like a big inspiration for like the stakes being so low, but I wanted to make it so high for the characters. Um, so the stakes are very low for in the grand scheme of things, but it means a lot for the characters. It's a character piece. Um, and it's not about the backpack. It's about everything else that's revolving around um, the simple small stakes plot. And that's, that's kind of where, um, where it all came from. I encourage people who are listening to this after they watch the movie, whenever they do to come back and listen to this again. And I think that will become a little clearer. Like that'll make more sense. You have to kind of watch the movie to, to know precisely what he's talking about, but um, yeah, come back. yeah, no, no. I mean, it is what it is. Um, it's hard to say what I'm about to say without sounding like a, a condescending douchebag, um, but I'm going to go for it anyways. Here. The script has such a mature 
perspective that I'm surprised you have. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. I don't think it's a spoiler to say the movies it, it revolves around it, it, the protagonist who is a, a father of a daughter of an 11 year old girl, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there's so many nuances in this character and the frustration that a character goes through as a, as a father. And it's such a particular thing that like, if you, you have to kind of walk a mile in those shoes to really know Louis CK has this great joke about, you know, putting his family in the car and then like, you know, getting his daughter and putting her in the, uh, seat the car seat and strapping her in and then getting the bags and loading them into the trunk and then it's this whole thing and he's sweating and it's hot outside and you know it's just having such a hard time putting everybody in the car making sure wife has all her stuff closes the passenger's side door walks to the driver's side and that walk is his vacation and that's the punchline and it's just it's such a great encapsulation of like how frustrating it is to be a father. I, I say this because you, you, you're, you're not a father, but h- how do you have this perspective? And talk to me about the writing. Like you mentioned the germ of the idea. How did you get to the last draft? Like how did you, how, how did you know these, these, this world and like those frustrations so well? Because I can tell you that like, they're very realistic and I, I, I know a lot of, a lot of my friends don't have kids. I'm like the only one that does. And they don't know what it's like to load the kid up into the car. They don't know what it's like um, to forget something or to go to the doctor's office and not have the right information, you know, and they don't, they don't know these little things. And, but I felt like you do. So it, it comes from such a mature lived in place where does that come from i think um i think a lot of it comes from maybe how i react to myself if that makes sense where i I, you know maybe i'll I'll do something or i'll I'll, like you said like go to a doctor's office and forget something and then i i i'm there and i feel like such a i feel like such an idiot right like I, I called myself that a million times. And then in my head, you know, the, the secondary thought is like, you're so dumb. Um, so I think maybe that's kind of like, I'm fathering myself in that sense where it's like, I'm, I'm messing up simultaneously. And the second thought is how, how could you, you know, how did you do this? Um, so in a way, I kind of feel like that's kind of been my life where I'm constantly beating myself up, uh, Luckily, I've definitely been working on working on that a lot. But I think in, at that time, it was like it was mistake, followed by beating myself up to a degree of just feeling so low about myself. And I think um, being able to, I guess, capture that, capture both parts of myself where I'm messing up and also reacting to that is is kind of where a lot of this came from the dialogue of i can't remember her name apologies but of the daughter lizzie yeah lizzie um 
was just so spot on, like especially Gen Z little girls. Mm. Such a particular tone. How'd you nail that? I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with casting. Um, you know, there's there's the two things I'll probably say I'm like the most proud of in this is casting and, and locations. Because um, a, a lot of it, it feels real. And um, a lot of the casting just feels right for the role. Um, and Journey, you know, she she nailed it. I think I think she she brought a lot of herself into it, um, where she was able to to kind of play with these with these words. You know, I, I kind of allowed them to. You know, there's a lot of moments where she'll do an eye roll or she'll look at, at look at a character and say a line in a specific manner, um, and uh, I, I'm glad that we didn't go into a route of like gen z speak like we there's no like i don't know like no cap or there's nothing like that in in the film but like the mannerisms are there and i think that stuff is definitely going to feel um it feels very real because i i think i we just allowed her to to go and, and do things the way that she that she that felt right to her and you know her being 11 years old she was able to just be an 11 year old I had a question and Zoom told me that we got 10 minutes left. Um, oh, wow. That was, that was quick. Yeah. So I want to make this count. Um, I have to ask this question, even though I don't want to ask it because I, I I don't care, but I want to ask it uh, from an objective place because someone out there might care. Um, you casted a Black family. Sure. Why? And And I ask that from the place of, you know, without, there's, there's so much responsibility that comes with that, you know, like, is it a black story? Are you telling a black story? Are you the person to tell it? You know, um, you're a person of color um, in America. So you have a certain perspective as a minority. Um, but uh, where did you, did, did walk me through that process? Um, walk me through the guts to make that decision and um, how that paid off or if it did, or I, I don't know. If, this is why I didn't want to ask it because it's a weird thing to ask. Like, I don't look at things like that and I don't care, but it's it's such a it's such a cool decision. H how did that come about? Um, I think, you know, writing this piece, it was definitely very, like a, like a very personal piece for me. Um, and I think when writing it, I, I did, like the film's not about race. Um, there's no, I don't think there's any comments about racism or, or any kind of um, political stance on, on race uh, throughout any, any of the film. Um, but I think me writing it and having a very like personal um, touch on it, um, I, I, I mean, I didn't like shy away from white people, you know, auditioning. I, I let everyone audition and honestly had Alice not, um, not God cast, you know, it would have been, it would have been, you know, a different actor who, who was a white man. And Ellis um, is the protagonist, just to be Ellis is the protagonist, yeah, uh, Chris. And uh, we, you know, we thought he was perfect for the role and even, you know, in hindsight, I think he, he killed it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I did ask, you know, I asked some friends that I've worked with in the past, like my friend Raul to audition. Um, you know, I, I asked a lot of people because I, I think I, I wanted it to feel I didn't want it to be a minority, but not any minority specific, if that makes sense. Um, and if it didn't work out, then it didn't work out. It wasn't like 
the end all be all like this has to be a minority story um, because like I said the film is not necessarily about being a minority but um, Natalie who plays you know the mother in the film she also there was you know we, we auditioned so many people and um, she's one of the, the few actors where when she auditioned I said I, that's who I want um, to be in this film um, you know Michael is another one when, when he, you know he sent in his tape I was like this is the guy and he played um, you know a, a fry cook um, you know but there was a lot of actors in there where it was just like this is perfect um, and it just worked out where I loved Alice for the role I loved Natalie for the role and Journey was just you know the, the perfect kid for 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 the family and it was just like the the perfect kind of storm um, so it wasn't like oh this guy's better but he's white but I wanted to be a black guy um, that was that wasn't any sort of that had nothing to do with the decision. I have to take this time to gush about the movie. Um, I'm from Donna, Texas. I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, 956, represent. You're from Mission. Um, we come from the same place. I've always personally prided myself as a Valley filmmaker. And yes, above all, I am a filmmaker first, but I, I come from the Valley. I, I, I showed my first movie and I promoted it and I got a lot of shit for promoting it as an RGV film like that was in the title of the promotion and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way um are you ever going to show this in the valley do you have a sweet spot in your heart for mission or anything like that um if so do you have a timeline for something like that like do you even care yeah I mean I definitely do um I do have a huge sweet spot for mission uh I, I will be honest, I, I've never been the biggest like Pudo 956 guy just because like there's so many cities in there that I don't like I don't feel connected to Donna. I don't think I've ever been to Donna or, or like Weslico or Harlingen or Brownsville. It's just like, ah, like I kind of only care about mission because uh, that's, you know, obviously like collect like culturally, we're all collectively, you know, very similar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have a massive love for mission. Uh, I do want to I do want to show it at the border. Um, at some point next year, we're definitely going to have um, a screening uh, there that uh, I want to do. Um, a lot of people who were friends from, you know, back home that uh, crowdfunded, I want them to be able to come out and watch it in a theater. I want them to be able to not just have a link and they, you know, watch it on their phone. I want I want them to have a, an experience where they're, they go to a movie theater and they see the film that they uh, helped make. I want to thank you publicly for letting me watch the movie like it was so cool um i saw it on a big ass tv and it looked great there was oh gosh i don't want to give it away but um it, filmmakers will be will will it, it's a feast for the eyes for for filmmakers specifically um because it was you just went so big and the sound design was like amazing i don't know if i gave you enough credit for that in person um, it was just so seamless. There was no strings. It was kind of perfect. Like, you know, um, I told a few friends, I was like, I got to see it and it's fucking really good. Like it's, it's really good. Um, I have a feeling it's going to go really far in the film festival circuit. Um, where, where does it go from here, man? Like, wh where do you, what's next for you? Like, are you are you over it like the way I would be, um, or is the journey kind of just getting started? Because you do want to milk that, you know, and enjoy that stop and smell the roses. Um, what's next for you? 
for where do we go? It's definitely like a one-off short film. Um, I don't personally have much interest in making it into a feature. I definitely want to move on to making more stuff. Um, but I do want it to see, I, I want where do we go to have as big of life as it can be as a short film. Um, I want to, you know, I'm preparing on uh, starting pre-production. I'll, I'll, I'll just call it that for uh, a short film next year um, that I want to keep very small. That's as much as I'll say about that. Uh, I want to make more music videos. I just directed a music video. Um, yeah, I just want to like, I just want to direct more. And uh, I'm very glad, you know, coming into this year, I wanted to make uh, Where Do We Go? And two short films, I, I sorry, two music videos. I only ended up making one. Uh, either way, I'm super, super happy with uh, the way 20, 2023 went um, as far as like my career goes, for sure. And I'm proud of you, man. Like you're one of the few guys that from the Valley got out and actually did something, you know, and gets the reps in. And isn't a shithead about it and isn't, you know, you're, you're bringing up other people alongside with you. Like, I respect that. And I'm very big on that, too. Um, I want to see everyone around me succeed. And I feel like, you know, if people aren't around you right now, they should get in line because you have a bright future ahead of you. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't fucking mean it. You know, I talk to all kinds of people and I, 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 most of the time I tell them to quit. Like most of the time I tell them this ain't for you. Like you're too soft for this. Like this is not for you. Like go be a doctor or something. Um, but you're a filmmaker just like me. It's in your blood. And I love that, man. Um, where can people support you on the internet? Where can they um, have their eyes on the next thing so they know and they're in communication with you with wherever, where do we go, goes from here? Um, how can people support you on the internet? Yeah, I mean, my uh, Instagram is Josh underscore second um my and the film's instagram is wdwg film uh, on instagram uh so we'll definitely keep posting on there every time we get into a festival or if we're coming to uh, you know a city in texas or around the country um because i definitely want to travel as much as i can to be there for the film i don't i don't want to just like send it off to you know a random festival and have not be there for it um because this is you know, my baby. Dude, um, I just want to say it again. If I didn't say it enough times, like th your movie's really good. I can't wait for people to watch it. So if you're listening, um, check it out. If you're watching this and it's 2024, you know, odds are you're going to be able to see it, especially if this is like Q4 of 2024, which is fun to say. Um, check it out. Uh, it's going to be on Vimeo eventually in the future. And for those that that pitched in, like, thank you for that. For those that saw this podcast and heard about it, thank you for listening. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. It means the world to me. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. And I just want to say real quick, just like very grateful for everyone that, you know, helped out, made it, had it done. We had an amazing crew and I'm eternally grateful for um, everyone that let this film just exist in their head for even a second. Thanks, Josh.